0: Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello and welcome to Home Education Matters. I'm joined today for our wonderful series of A Day in the Life by Greg, who is going to be guiding us through his kind of typical home ed day and telling us a bit about himself. So Greg, would you like to first off tell us about yourself and where you are on your home ed journey?
1: We are probably about three years into our home ed journey. It was something we'd always sort of considered we would have preferred to do, but never sort of had the motivation or the drive. You know, our child went to school until eight and loved it, had lots of friends, really enjoyed being there. We were a little bit Unhappy, I think, would be the word in his actual education from the school. But there was our thought, really, of it was all their responsibility and not ours, also. So we'd sort of put it all on the school's shoulders, and he was struggling in a lot of subjects. No big push to homeschool at that time. However, we came across the sort of COVID scenario, which I'm sure a lot of people have and have lived through. We basically Didn't like the way the school were separating the children and making such a big deal of it when, you know, we were told at the time that children were such a low risk that, um, you know, it shouldn't really be a concern for them. Um, Didn't like the sort of separate everyone, isolate each class, isolate all the kids from each other as much as possible, line up, and it just became a sort of dogmatic, sort of militarized, sort of, way of being in the school just felt at the age of eight that it's an important time in their lives to understand the world around them and to sort of shovel into a child that everyone's diseased stay away from them they're dirty like the sort of days of leprosy was just very unpleasant for us so we sort of took him out of school straight away at that point
0: so this was just after the first lockdown i'm guessing
1: Yeah, yeah. This was um, sort of March, April sort of time when when, when everything was starting and locking down. The school were a bit sort of bewildered by our sort of movement, really, but offered to give us homework once a week and we could carry on sort of educating on their structure while he was at home. So we did that for a while. Then they went on to online learning, which, Mm. you know, seemed to sort of suit but. to be honest, to sort of see the children sitting there for an hour or so doing a lesson and actually not really doing much, I, I, I just couldn't really, I couldn't follow it. I, I wasn't a fan of it and went back into the school again. And then the, I, don't, I don't know who the official social worker sort of person was who was there at the meeting, who was sort of like, well, you need to send your child to school. Um, you know, I stated our case as just I did. And basically they told us to homeschool.
0: Really, and they just I, said, "Look, this is the best choice
1: for you." Well, they, they they sort of suggested that we would make great people to homeschool. Have you ever thought about it, sort of? <laughs> uh, and I can sort of see it from their point of view. It seemed to be a sort of tick box system of as long as we can tick the box that you're in school or tick the box that you're ill, or then fine. But if there's no box for us to tick, we don't know what to do with you. How about being your own problem
0: and <laughs> get out of the system? Yeah, by by which time,
1: by which time, our child had nine months nearly nearly a year had passed and his reading had gone from you know two lines and a page of picture to with support and and not enjoying it at all to reading probably i'm trying to think what he was on at that time probably the narnias and things Mm. in nine months now we found getting him to read was a very simple process and I don't think the school would have got to the stage he's at now in in about eight years of their sort of ways of teaching. So to be honest, when they were sort of suggesting it and we'd seen such improvements, yeah it was a sort of no-brainer as they would say and and we moved forward with
0: homeschooling. And how did your son feel about that because you said he was he quite enjoyed school, so was he on board with the whole thing? <laughs>
1: Yes, and sort of, there is the sort of, what about my friends question. He did see a few friends afterwards, but we've sort of, um, we changed life as well, because we weren't prepared to sort of lock ourselves in a house and come out 10 minutes a day, as the sort of guidelines were throughout the thick of it. And we just bought a converted bus that we were going to sort of tour Europe in until, uh, well, until the European laws changed as we left so we decided to just camp it out for a little while um on some land with the friends have and we've basically been living in nature since so for the last sort of two and a half coming up to three years now we've sort of lived naturally outdoors and less indoors and to be honest that's that's been a massive improvement in well all of us to be fair everyone have- I've spoken to about the last years and how difficult it was for them. And we're sort of shaking our heads like it was the best time we've ever had, you know? So we did isolate fully more than anyone else I know, but in our own way, which was a luxury that we had the option of, so we took it. When he had the option of sort of spending more time like this or going back to a school, it wasn't a battle at all. It was a choice he made and was happy to continue doing.
0: And do you feel that you've been able to replicate the social element that he was enjoying at school? Because I know that having spoken to quite a few people, that is sometimes a challenge just to get that same level of socialising.
1: Yes and no. Like obviously, I can't reproduce, you know, twenty or thirty children every day for a few hours for him. It's it's. Would it's you not, want to? Um, i not on my own now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> very much I see the social aspect coming from everyone, coming from adults, coming from friends, coming from family, coming from neighbors. And he does spend a lot of time with a large variety of people rather than just children his own age. So in some ways, yes, the social aspect has been excellent from that point of view, but also You know, we were out yesterday and could see all the children going towards the church for their carol singing and the church for their sort of, you know, school plays and things. And thought, oh, you know, that's a that's a little bit of a loss, you know, from from someone who wasn't a great fan of the school system. There are those moments that, yes, I do feel they, they do miss out. But also what he's gained from his lifestyle and our lifestyle, I feel is is it. It just overbalances and overcompensates very easily for
0: him, if it's any yeah. consolation, my memory of my nativity play when I was at school was one of deep stress and trauma, and I think it's one of those I think it's one of those things that adults tend to love because they get to see their child in like a twinkly angel costume, but I think for children, it can often be a really stressful time with the teachers all shouting, and you know it's I think we have kind of halcyon view of what it may be like, but i think I suspect those kind of things are quite stressful for the child.
1: Well personally speaking I would fully agree with you yes (laughs) but maybe maybe through my tainted parent eyes it does look a little bit nicer when you see it like oh look they're all off isn't that lovely but uh, yeah I do remember some unpleasantness with it also.
0: You mentioned that you spend a lot of time outdoors and I think that brings us nicely to you telling us a little bit about your typical home ed day because I know obviously every home educator has a A very different approach and for as many home educators as there are there's different forms of home education and it's very difficult sometimes to sum up in a in one day what all your days look like but is there a kind of archetypal structure to your day that you follow
1: well to be honest because we've been doing sort of school homework and trying to recreate a classroom scenario and to be honest certain subjects fine they went really well other subjects though Oh, it was like fighting with a brick wall. It was it was uh, an unpleasant experience for him. And it just, because once you kick into an unpleasant experience, the brain shuts off virtually and you're not going to get anywhere with it. So certain subjects we struggled with, like maths for him. Reading, no problem. I think we're probably up to about 300 books now in the last three years, which the amount of books I read at his age by tenfold in some. so we found difficulty with certain things like masks certain activities and other things so basically a normal day would be you know he'd rise at whatever time he rose at we're not a sort of clock keeping household you know in the summer that's been about seven thirty. now a little bit different in the winter we're, we're, we're reaching around 10 10 but um think the body needs what the body needs, and we sort of leave it at that. So once he's cooked his own breakfast, cleaned up, and then wa- and washed, et cetera, take the dog for a walk and come back, we sort of start our day. Our day really is whatever's needed. And he will, we will involve him in the best way we can. So we could be out cutting logs. We could be out clearing a bit of land. We could be out tending to a few animals. We could be out just for a walk we could be just fixing tools and playing and tinkering and building things in, in our workshop. So he's involved with that. We'll discuss the planning stage, why we need it, ask him ideas, what do you think would work in this situation or how would you sort of do this yourself and give him a little bit of time to sort of understand what we're doing and, and sort of understand how he would approach it. And then I will show him how I would approach it and then we can discuss it at the end of the day. When it comes to sort of, you know, so, so involved in a lot of those activities, we get maths with measuring, how many things are we going to be able to do, how much, you know, time comes into it. And we try and incorporate it into a sort of mental maths questioning as we go along. We recently bought a heater and math, well, maths wasn't great, but he loves, he loves volcanoes. The volcanoes really are his gold at the moment, so to speak. And every day he'll spend time looking up on the volcano, seeing what events are going on around the world following the earthquakes. He's, his geography is, is second to none. We've had arguments over it. And, you know, I have to concede at the end. And, you know, he's only 11. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it shows that your child can surpass you at quite a young age in certain knowledges that they wouldn't have. So with the maths, I, I introduced right, right down every day then, a few of the volcanoes or the eruption sites and we'll take measurements of earthquakes. So we did that for sort of 10 days, he did the same earthquakes at the end, then we put it into a chart. And then we put it onto graph paper. And I was sort of saying to him, which one do you think is the most violent? Which one do you think is the strongest? Which ones do you think have the biggest, you know, effect? And Sort of he could gauge one or two, yeah, these seem the biggest on the yeah, okay. Well when we put it in the graph, we can sort of see a bit better. And once we were plotted the graph and we did a few different types of graph, he could see exactly the use of a graph. So it wasn't just teaching him a skill of this is math, this is graphs, this is it was actually sort of putting it into a perspective of this is why we would use them and look mm-hmm. at the benefit you're gonna have from putting it on paper and drawing these sort of lines and then you can just immediately see the difference in you know the the strength of these areas of the earthquakes etc so absolutely love that we've just done something similar now with a heater it was running a little cold so we measured temperatures at different settings with a thermometer told him how to sort of why are we doing this so we came up with an aim we'd like to get our heater more right let's have a method well first we're going to measure what we have then we're going to see what we can improve so Showed him how to use a thermometer. We took all the measurements of the different settings. And then we were like, right, that's the settings at the output. Let's have a look at the settings at the where it's coming from. We have some tubing. Can we make this tubing more insulated? And then once we sort of added all those together and we can put them together in graphs, it shows the difference. And was it worth doing what we did? You know, we'd have a result and a conclusion there in our sort of scientific experiment. So the
0: scientific method, right?
1: Well, yes, definitely. It's using that method to Logically go through, which is what science is in that sense, to logically go through what you're doing to prove what you wanted to do was correct or not. You know, you can have a result of rubbish, try something else, you know, but at least you have that as a result and you've tried something. We don't use words like failure because there is no such thing, it's just another step to, to success, you know, and sometimes we have to try different things. So basically, it is looking at what you're doing in a day and how. You can incorporate the child into that and get them to benefit
0: from it. So for what? you, education is uh, something that is found in all of the daily activities and, and something that is relevant to the child because it's, it's the life that they're living and education is part of that.
1: In one sense, yes. In the other sense, we, we follow what he does and what he likes. So, like the volcanoes, we we added on, you know, but it's also helped with his geography. It's also helped, you know, to understand the sort of formation of the earth. Another thing he enjoys doing is when he's out and about, he'll always come back with the story I've seen this animal today. I've seen that animal today. I've seen they've got eggs. They've got little chicks. And we followed the sort of life and birth of several different animals that we've seen, you know, from sheep on the hillside with their lambs and. We've got some water where there's geese that mate and breed, you know, and we can wake up some mornings and there can be sort of 50 geese standing outside our front door looking at us. (laughs) It's it's quite intimidating, but it's getting to know each animal for its different characteristics. So there's a, a very much a natural side, a lot of foraging. We do a lot of gardening and other things and it's showing how sort of nature does everything. You know, there is a massive balance of life and death and sort of, the way everything goes round in its circle. I think sometimes in education, we're taught everything's a straight line and everything's a sort of beginning and an end. And we're taught sort of there's everything's in a vacuum as if nothing else affects what you're doing on that equation. In reality, that, that's not really how it works. And I think because he has that eye for the sort of natural of what's going on, we've used that. And we have some great characters. We have swallows that come back every year. And we virtually, we haven't named them because I don't like doing that to other animals, but he loves them. You know, we actually can't wait for them to come back just to see how many sort of young they have. It's almost like watching a sitcom as they're sort of chasing the birds out the net and the fat one sitting there going, no, I don't think I'll go today. And then see the parents come back and they're giving him what for. And, you know, it's, it's like a comedy show. So there's so much that goes on around us all the time that if we sort of paid attention to or more attention to, it would be quite enlightening for people and I feel you wouldn't get that in school you 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 wouldn't have these opportunities you wouldn't see as much of the world by any means you know he's he's now coming up sort of high school age so for his primary school I think he's done far more than than any other child sort of would have the opportunity to do and what about
0: now he's getting into the kind of secondary age what's going to be your approach when it comes to exams and that kind of thing
1: well, to be honest, if you've got someone who's 11 years old, who's say he, he continues his pursuit of volcanic interest, you know, by the time he's about 14 or 15, you could, you could literally apply to, to half the universities to say, look, I just want him to sort of come in, help you with some of this research, go through some of these things with you. And, you know, we could look at higher levels of understanding at that stage When it comes to sort of exams, I've got no interest in them to some degree. Personally, I I, I worked managing care homes for a few decades. And the people who would come in there with their GCSEs, they'd struggle to do the basic test for an MDQ3, you know, which is basic math, basic English. And I'd be sitting there thinking, gosh, you've got these exams, but, you know, practically you're not using them. Talking to a lot of youngsters, it was very much, well, yeah, I just want to pass the exams and have good grades. And I was like, well, don't you want to understand the concept of it? No, I just want to pass the exam and get good grades. And I was sort of like, that's education out the window. There's no point in that. You know, what I don't know. We could just replace education with Google or something and, or Wikipedia and say, well, there you go. There's, there's, there's your education. You know where the website is. Carry on. And I don't know. It's got to be usable. It's got to be usable. If it's not usable, then it's pointless. It's, it's a worthless endeavor. To be educated without purpose so everything we we do is just following at the moment what he loves that'll change i'm sure it may not i will see but um by the time he gets to an older age and has more sort of wish on his shoulders of things to learn then we can sort of approach people in those fields and say hey any chance of taking my son as an apprentice any chance of you know find a more practical way to get into these things i I don't know. I don't rate exams. No no offense. That's just, that's just from my experience. You know, my parents thought exams and things were very important, paid for private education for myself. But to be honest, I was more interested in learning the concepts of things than I ever was about writing down the detail. You know, I literally went through high school without picking up a pen just because I'd rather interact with the teacher and try and draw out the information to as much detail as I could comprehend rather than just write down notes and regurgitate them for an exam.
0: There's a lot of hoop jumping when it comes to exams, isn't there? That can be quite frustrating as a home educator. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> trust, trust me, there is. <laughs> tell you
1: this to come if it's necessary. But, you know, there's, there's always open university. There's always apprenticeships. There's always actually people who would love to take on somebody who has an interest in that job. If you're employing, you know, a person to, to aid in it, and you've got one person standing there who's glowing, wanting to do the work, and five people who are educated to the same sort of standard and don't really want it but are looking for a foot in the door to get up, I I genuinely believe they take the person who's glowing to do the job. If you just always follow follow your love, follow your gut, follow your heart, then I I can't see that he'd go far wrong, to be honest. And it's um, extremely. Wealthy people in this world with no education formally. There's some extremely inventive people who, you know, never went to university or sat exams. So I, I don't know. It works both ways. For some, this is right. For some others, is, is right, and this is totally wrong. I, it's each to their own, in truth, you know. But it's it's worked really well. And if we were at a stage any any point that we thought, "Gosh, this isn't working anymore," then there is always school as an option. So not that it's there in the back of our mind but it, there is always something else that can be done
0: absolutely it's not a sort of one-time decision is it to home educate it's something that you can always change around as you want to so my last <laughs> question to you is if you were to sum up your home education life in three words what would they be
1: everyday living
0: Perfect. That's the quickest answer I've had so far. Well done. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> you, you win the prize for having the quickest answer for the three three words. Super. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Greg. It's been really, really enlightening to chat with you today. And it's been it, it really reminds me of how everybody has such a different approach and every approach is just as valid as everyone else's. So it's really been lovely chatting to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.